Welcome to the first episode of Us and Our Cities. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Hi. Hello. Hi. Guess who's going to go so, first? Who's going to introduce you? <laughs> I'll go first. I'm Olivia. Uh, I live in Quebec City. I'm a hairdresser. I'm a mother of an eight-year-old and I've been with my partner. We're actually married um, and I've, we've been together for almost 10 years now. Barbie. Um, I'm Barbara, as Atonia affectionately called me Barbie. Thank you for that. I'm Barbara. I live in Brooklyn, New York. I am the resident astrologer for this podcast. I am very into astrology. I have an astrology podcast called I Speak Astrology that you can find on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Music podcasts, also on Instagram at Speak Astrology. And I met Olivia and Antonia not too long ago, and we bonded over our love of sex in the city. And Olivia was like, we should have a podcast. So here we are. And I can't wait to talk about all things sex in the city, us in our cities. I'm single and ready to mingle. So cheesy, but it's true. And uh, <laughs> Antonia, take it away. <laughs> Hi, I'm Antonia. I am your LA gay here to talk about the show from a gay perspective, I suppose. And I'm also really into Hollywood and the industry. So I will uh, give you little Hollywood tidbits where I can. We met on Clubhouse and we uh, co-host a room called Deeply Personal Questions. And um, we've been doing that for a couple of months now. And yeah, three times a week, it's been a big, like it's been really consistent. And the whole point of the room is to kind of open up and be vulnerable. So in that short space of time, I feel like I've got gotten to know you guys really well because we like share our deepest, darkest secrets <laughs> in that room. <laughs> I feel like we've gotten um, to know you guys really well in the room, but also like really well just in our debriefs before and after our little mini breakout rooms. Mm -hmm. I feel like, you know, just those 10 or 15 minutes, we'll dive into so much before we get in the room. And that's okay. how we started talking about sex in the city too. Agreed. Exactly. Yeah, we, we don't really talk about sex in the city in the room. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know that time we, I don't know if it was, I think it was before um, a, a pregame room and it was just a really fun conversation. And I was super interested in how your perspectives was really different to mine, especially when it comes to like Carrie and, um, and who you relate to with the, the characters. So what, I'm going to ask Antonia, what's going on in your life at the moment? What's going on with your new relationship? I am, well, I'm, I've been dating somebody casually for, I guess, about two months now. We're not like even officially official at this point. Um, so just like dating and in those early days, this feels like the first relationship where like things have been really healthy and easy and normal and I'm not used to that at the beginning um but just just like trying to explore and take it easy and see what happens I feel like it's very typical for uh lesbians in particular to like go from zero to a hundred right away and I'm yeah I was just gonna say <laughs> what do you mean it's been two months and it's still casual because <laughs> what <laughs> yeah. trying to keep it casual <laughs> 
it's sometimes succeeding and probably sometimes not, but yeah, that's about it. That's fun. Sounds fun to be in a relationship. It is. You know what I love about the early days of relationships is that's when like you really do activities and you get so creative in your dates, right? Like it's like, oh, we're going to go play tennis or we're going to see this show or have this like really cute night together. And I feel like when you get into your routines, you lose a little bit of that excitement, but like we're both still trying to impress each other so much. So fun. (laughs) So you're really getting to know each other. You're taking your time with it. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Yeah. I thought only straight people did that. (laughs) Usually, usually lesbians just move right in. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, (laughs) I'm in LA. She's in Orange County. We're practically long distance. So I think that also gives us some, some natural time and space. Ah, cool. Well, that's, yeah, that's useful. (laughs) What about you, Barbara? Are you dating? Yeah, I am working up the courage to download the apps again. I have been on and off the apps. I have a very love-hate relationship with these apps. But yeah, like I am working up the courage to get back out there. I had a bit of a heartbreak. Not, I mean, I don't know if it was a heartbreak. I went searching and I found out that someone I was seeing was like, married Ooh! oh my gosh mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. how did that happen tell us the story <laughs> the story is i i i didn't listen to myself i thought oh i kept thinking oh you know he's just really private or uh you know he's not really on social media because like he doesn't believe in like the, the social media thing and i was just like you know just ignoring things just mm-hmm. you know being my How did you ultimately find out? <laughs> so he would do this thing where he would appear and then disappear and then tell me that he would disappear because of his mental health. And being the person that I am, I'm like, oh, I'm sorry that you're going through that. I understand. And, you know, I get it. And I accepted that. And one one point he reappeared and was like, oh, I'm... Um, you know, I've been like stalking your social media or whatever. And I was like, well, do you want to stop stalking me and actually follow me on Instagram? And so we followed each other and I was like, all right, well, you know, you can stalk for free, I guess now, like you don't have to feel like, you know, you're doing something creepy. And so one day Instagram is like, suggesting profiles to follow you know how they like sometimes throw like suggest his wife (laughs) they suggested this account that was brand new for like a wine company and this wine company was started by him and this woman the profile picture was him and this woman and they looked pretty like cozy in the photo and I was like who the fuck is that? <laughs> I was like, what is happening? So then I was, I immediately was like, whoa, I need to go investigate and figure out what this is. Found her on Twitter. At that point, her Twitter was not private. So I was like scrolling. I think I went down to like 2016. And then what gave him away was his dog. There are no photos of him anywhere on her channels or anything but there was a photo of his dog and I was like that is his dog 
And so I put two and two together and realized that that's what it was. And I immediately blocked him. I want to I, I wanna make a quick pause right here, though. How did she have no pictures of her husband on her Instagram? So I think I, I think they're engaged, maybe not married. Okay, uh, let me rephrase. How did she have no pictures of a fiance on her Instagram? I don't know. I have no idea how he's doing this or how he's getting away with this. I have no idea, but he's clearly great at it. Or I'm like really just naive. I don't know if one or the other, but um, yeah, um, the dog gave him up and I just deleted him, blocked him. And yeah, I didn't even confront him about it. And he had texted me at one point, hey, I had a dream about you. Like, <laughs> are you okay? And I just, I never even responded to that. And um, I slipped up recently, though. I was snooping. And I accidentally FaceTimed. <laughs> oh, no. no. <laughs> what what I'm, I'm realizing there's a difference between you and I is that I would love to confront that guy. Like, that would be a fight just waiting to happen. I wouldn't want to give that up. Why, why did you decide not to confront him? Just because I think... <sighs> the energy it would have taken for me to do that I didn't have it to spare at that time I'm going through a lot and that was just one thing that I really couldn't add to my stress and we were quote unquote into each other but like it wasn't serious but it had been going on for over in the span of like two years like on and off for months oh wow so it, it yeah, just, something you should have disclosed and I just I felt so betrayed and I just I also didn't want to give him the opportunity to insult my intelligence and lie so I was just like I'm just not even going to confront him I don't think it's worth it so it's like all right so I just I bowed out I think I'm somewhere like halfway between team Barbara and team Olivia, but closer to team Olivia. I would have at least said something like, Hey, this is absolutely over. Here are the reasons why, like, here's why I'm disappointed in you. Then, then block. Right, right, right. I should have said something. And sometimes I do think maybe I, I still should, or, but who knows? I, I feel like it is what it is. This woman her her account is now private so I don't know if he told her to make it private or if he realized that I had figured this out but she seemed lovely and I I I fell in love with her I was like oh my god she's amazing and I was just like what a fucking asshole but so yeah I think I was gonna say what you were gonna ask I would have considered reaching out to say yeah. hey it looks like you're in a relationship with this person and I just want to let you know that I was too <laughs> I, like, I would want to know the thought crossed my mind but then I was like let go Barbara just let go I don't know why it's not in me it's just not in me I just was like just bow out if you were her would you have wanted to know hmm? if you were her or like in her position would you have wanted to know I think so I think I would have but I don't know it just it just raises so many other questions that I don't know the right way like 
for someone to tell me that. Like, you know, I don't know. Yeah. So that happened. Maybe he'll hear this. I don't know. <laughs> well, so, so you're going to get back on the apps, which is your favorite app? Which app do you have the most faith in? Well, to be honest, Tinder is the only one that I've actually had some success on. Like people actually want to meet off of Tinder. Every time I'm on Hinge, conversations and then nothing happens. My my best advice is you get back on the app is initiate that first meeting as soon as possible. Hey, so happy we matched. Nice to meet you. Do you want to go get coffee? Okay. I take it off the app as soon as possible. Okay. I'll do that. Um, I have a married girl question. What is Hinge? What what is what is that one about? I don't know that one. Well, I think, and to be honest, I don't know if this is still the case anymore, but when Hinge first started, I think that you had to have mutual friends in order for somebody to show up on your, um, in your feed. That's definitely not the case with my Hinge when I have it now. Um, but it makes you answer five different prompts and put like pictures up. So you have to have a completed profile. And then when you want to match with somebody, you actually choose one of the things that they've posted and you can like leave a comment on it or um, heart it. So it, I think is better for getting a sense of who people are and then having to start a conversation. And then you don't have to match with somebody to see that they liked you. It'll tell you like this person liked you and you can see the list of people. So um, I don't know. I just think that's the best one in my opinion for actually starting a conversation, getting to know people and figuring out like, oh, this is somebody that I might actually be interested in. Yeah, it's a step up for sure from Tinder. That one just feels like it's it's just solicitation. <laughs> I feel like I missed out on dating a little bit. <laughs> like I met Sam when I was 20 and I'd pretty much just gotten out of a, another long-term relationship Um yeah, so I'm a bit jealous of you guys dating. I, I think I would have been good at it, but anyway. I have you always been like a serial monogamist? Like always gone from relationship yeah. to relationship? I mean, I'm 29. I've been with Sam for yeah nine and a half years. I was only really single. It took me a long time to get out of the relationship before that. It took me like about a year even though that whole relationship was probably just over two years, really. And I was 17 when I got into that relationship. So, yeah, I, I just, it's just how, how it's worked out. Yep. You know, I, I was going to be like, oh, well, dating's so fun. It's so, like. It's not. It's like, sometimes <laughs> it's fun and sometimes it's not. <laughs> Some days I'm like, oh, my God, like, the world is my oyster. Look at this opportunity out there and then some days I'm like I just want to end it all Um, I have I have dated to meet friends Mm -hmm. um because I moved to a new city and um we lived with my in-laws actually for two years which I don't recommend to anybody (laughs) um but anyway it was fine and then we moved right into the city and I was like all right I need to find some friends so there was a, a Facebook group um that was for people who speak English in Quebec city. Cause it's predominantly uh, French speaking. And, um, I would just, I just started being active on there and yeah, like checking out people's profiles, people that were commenting on the posts and stuff. And then like, Hey, you want to get a coffee? <laughs> um, it's, no, it's like a Facebook group. 
like a private oh. Facebook group for um um it's called Anglophones in Quebec City. Um or maybe there was another one that was like just for mums in Quebec City. And I was just saying yes to like, you know, dumb events like um you know, painting ceramics and things like that. And I was like, all right, let's do it. <laughs> and yeah, and it was, yeah. You should check out Bumble BFF, which is um, like the Bumble app specifically has a BFF feature. Uh, please sponsor us, by the way, which is <laughs> for making friends and like getting to know other people. And a lot of people use it when they new, like move to new cities. Yeah. Or they'll use it for like to collaborate and um, all of that. Yeah. Um, there is an app called Pattern. That one is mainly for, it's like astrology based, right? And it gives you like your pattern, but they are launching like a compatibility part to it where they are going to be matching people up based on like, you know, your astrological makeup. And I'm so excited about it. I recently, they had like the update where you can update your profile or whatever. So it's all set up, but there aren't any matches on there yet. There's nothing going on, but I am like waiting. I'm on the edge of my seat waiting for this to like launch. The lesbians are going to love it. It's, go oh <laughs> it's going to be crazy. I can't wait. I have so many of my friends already refer to CoStar as like grinder for lesbians. <laughs> like you actually can't match on it, but anytime they meet someone, it's like, oh, add me on CoStar and like check your compatibility. <laughs> I love it. I got on CoStar because of you girls. I can't remember who who it was, if it was Barbara or you, Antonia, but um, Barbara is my only friend on it. And uh, like when I'm reading sometimes, like my horoscope, it'll say, oh, Barbara can help you out with that. <laughs> well, we, we should say we're all fire signs here. Uh, yeah. Olivia is Sag, so am I. And Antonia is the Leo of the group. CoStar will troll me so hard though. Like when my ex and I broke up, I would still get weird, like, co-star messages from it and i think that she must have sent while we were together but it, they call it chaos mode it'll just send it to you at any time so months later i'd get these weird messages from my ex or it would be like it would be like share your vulnerabilities with i'm not going to say my ex's name but like share your vulnerabilities with her or like oh she can help you with this and i'm like no no she can't yeah yeah yeah. Anyway, I ultimately had to like delete her from it, which is a very not like me thing to do. But I was like, I don't want to see this anymore. I love the chaos mode when you can do it. I think I think you can also do it for yourself. I got one update recently that was from my past self to my current self, and it said, "You're doing better than you think." And I was like, "Oh, thanks." Oh, for that. <laughs> That's adorable. Yeah. <laughs> I've done that too. I've message myself in chaos mode and I think it's cool I'm waiting for my message from myself <laughs> yeah <laughs> sex in the city yay so first episode what is the first episode called again is it just called pilot they just called it sex in the city no most most pilots will call themselves pilot but this mm -hmm. one called itself sex in the city find it really interesting just comparing it actually to the next episode like there must have been a big space of time because I realized their hairstyles that all change like in the first episode um Carrie has her wild um curly brown hair um Samantha has really long blonde hair and they've kind of painted her as a bit of a bombshell in a way 
Um, and then there's Miranda, who her changes all the time anyway, but she's always a redhead. You know, I and- can't say this for sure, um, but generally speaking, at that time, pilot season would happen from like January to March of each year. That's when like actors from around the world would fly to LA just for those months, get every audition that they can, every pilot films usually. And then you wait to see if you get picked up for like your fall, like September premiere. So I wonder if they filmed expecting that September premiere and then they didn't actually premiere until June, maybe of the following year. So it might've been, um, it might've been a full year before they did the pilot to when they actually went to air that explains carrie's hair Mm -hmm. i again i can't confirm this but i do know that it did premiere in june and pilot season is usually january february march and i just want to summarize uh carrie's opening monologue because i think it sets the scene of pretty much the whole series um so She's talking about a typical boy meets girl uh, in New York and it was an Australian girl who just moved from London and she met her man in a gallery and for two weeks they snuggled, they went to romantic restaurants, they had wonderful sex and shared their most intimate secrets with each other. Um, and at one point he invited her to lunch with his parents. Then he called and said his mum is sick and then he never called her again. And Carrie says, like, did anyone not tell her that uh, love, it was the end of love in Manhattan and welcome to the age of uninnocence, she says. Um, no one has breakfast at Tiffany's and no one has affairs to remember. Instead, we have breakfast at 7 a.m. and affairs we try to forget as soon as possible. Cupid has flown. Um, and, yeah, how did we get into this mess? She says the, the women in New York, they're fabulous. They travel. They pay taxes. They pay $400 on a pair of Manolo strappy sandals. Why are there so many great unmarried women in New York? And I think it's really important to think about the time period. Like this was 1996 that this came out. And I think they're kind of announcing like a new age of women um, and asking the question, like, what, what do women want now? Um, how, is, how has things changed? And um, can you have it all as a woman? A woman? Can you, like, have a big career um, and find love and get married and, and things like that? So I'm really interested for us to kind of ask those questions. Are they still goals of women in general now um, or people? Yeah, see if it's still relevant. What do you guys think? Quick uh, aside, it premiered in 1998, not 96. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty relevant. Um, I feel like that was like ghosting, you know, that that is something that still happens. I think it's more frequent now. Um, I think technology has made it more uh, possible to do so. poor girl didn't know and um yeah now i'm forgetting what your question was olivia i'm sorry but yeah i just i feel like yeah it's a thing and it it speaks to ghosting culture you know i think like obviously modern ghosting exists but it's interesting because back in 98 when this premiered 
she probably wouldn't really have a way to follow up and know like, is he alive? What's going on? Where now we can just go to their Instagram or their Snapchat or whatever and be like, oh, I see that he's still living a perfectly full life without me. Um, When it comes to, you know, do women want marriage and babies or career or what? uh, I think there's like kind of a big mix of that now. I think in a really general sense, if you go to more rural areas or more even like suburban areas, you're going to find your people who grow up just wanting marriage and babies and a house, right? And the typical stuff. I think in cities, it is becoming way more common to have your babies later or not at all uh, to like find these alternative ways of living, which I think is really great. I think it would be interesting because these women in the nineties, if they were looking at their parents, their parents would have had a completely different experience and set of ideologies than, than they would. And I kind of feel like we're going through that now again, like especially Post this pandemic, I feel like we're going to be accelerated into the new age, into new standards. Um, Like we've just, we're going through all these movements and I think they're just going to continue until we, maybe we level out at something new that we all, you know, come to a new understanding or something like that. I think Sex in the City is saying, hey, these women, they can afford to travel. They can afford to live their own lives. They do not need a man, but maybe they still want a man. And maybe it's hard because the dynamic has changed. It's like they're powerful now and men maybe hadn't adjusted or something like that. There was a disconnect is maybe what they're saying. Now in 2021, people are testing old theories and things we're asking ourselves about gender about like you know the me too movement and what's what's acceptable what's not what's harassment like you know like there's new waves of of feminism and accountability and you know calling people out for their shit (laughs) yeah you know it's interesting in some ways like I do think that we're making progress it's easier to call those kinds of things out but in some ways I think that the old line of thinking still stands like I don't date men but even from talking with some of them it sounds like they would still feel emasculated if their girlfriend or wife made more money than them if they feel like they don't have enough I don't want to say like control or power, but if they don't feel like the caretaker or the one providing security, they're not quite sure what they bring to the table because so much of what a man is told is that they're supposed to be the protector and the provider. So I think that we're able to talk about these things a little bit more, but I don't know if we've really moved past the behavior and the expectations yet. Yeah, no, that's a great point. Um, I think Men, I'm not trying to take it easy on men, but I feel like they kind of, they have it, they have it pretty bad when it comes to like the societal expectations and um, the way that they're told they're supposed to be. It's, I think what ends up happening is they hurt not only themselves, but they hurt the women that they decide to be involved with. Um, because of it and it's 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 weird that society thinks that this is something to keep to uphold like men should be the breadwinner men should you know be strong you don't need to show emotion and all this uh, like all these very strange um 
habits that are imposed on men as as if they're not human like any woman. I agree with that, Antonia. I also think it's interesting that um, a lot of the fashion trends and things are coming around now again. Like I was just paying attention to, uh, well, specifically hair. Like I think there's a lot of like really curly big hairstyles that are, are um, um, coming back. I mean, now we're really celebrating like shags and things like that, which is maybe a little bit more 70s, but still. Um, you said yeah, a shag? Thinking, you mean the bangs? Yeah, like all oh, shag, like um, shag haircut, you know, where it's like super layered and, and yeah, the bangs and. Okay. <laughs> you know what I found interesting was, especially with the guys, I couldn't always tell, like, are they supposed to be hip and attractive or are they supposed to be nerdy and weird and some of that was like because certain styles are coming back around or even that weren't cool then have like been cool since I was like I'm not sure what my perspective of this person is supposed to be I feel like um what's his name Skippy was like a great example of that I was like is he attractive or not because like I you're doing it even you're doing it. Miranda kept calling him Skippy and it's Skipper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Little Skippy. Yeah. But that's a trend for young guys now. Young boys, as in high school boys, I believe, are like getting perms um, and they're like curling the top of their hair and they're wearing these like really round like Skipper Harry Potter glasses. Yeah. But that's, was that's- Skippy supposed to be attractive in the show? I don't think no. so. He was super sweet, though. Yeah, he was supposed to be the nice guy that everyone says they want, um, except you act, when you actually try it on, you're like, oh, no, icky. <laughs> um, I think they deliberately made him look that way, like made him look like unattractive. I don't think that they were going for this is an attractive man. I don't think so. They The way they dressed him and the glasses. I don't think that's what they were going for. And we did meet, get to meet Big. That wasn't like, also Carrie did meet um, Kurt, uh, which is kind of like her, well, kind of like her sex buddy in a way. Um, but anyway, he doesn't last long. I don't know if you guys want to talk about him and that dynamic, but we did get to meet Big and we all know who Big is. Um, and I'm really curious about your first impression of Big. Big, I I mean, for me, I'm happy that Big is endgame for Carrie, uh, and I was happy to meet him at the beginning of the episode. I love Big. <laughs> I totally get why um, Carrie is smitten over Big. He, there's something about him, and he, I don't think he is that attractive, but I think he has like a... Um, a, a je ne sais quoi about him like he um yeah he's he a just, charmer yeah power and the car and the suit and yeah I love it <laughs> I I'm indifferent I'm uh I I don't love big and I don't hate him it's very much uh okay sure I just think and obviously I'm skipping ahead through like the whole rest of the series but like I just think that they're made for each other neither of them is a great person or a perfect person um but they are like the one for each other perfectly matched 
That I can get behind. Yes, I agree on that for sure. That is a match. Hey, I should know this, but um, Sex and the City, it's from a book, right? Yeah, Yeah. by Candice Bushnell, I think. And was it completely written before um, the series ever started? Because I was just about to say, I'm like, oh, maybe they didn't even know that she was going to end up with Big, but then the characters, it just turned out that they had to be together. But maybe um, it was always in the cards. Harry would end up with Big. I find their dynamic really interesting because I think Carrie kind of turns into like a little girl (laughs) around him and then um, Big kind of like they have this, like he's definitely a bit older than her and, um, yeah, calls Carrie kid. They remind me of like a romance from the old 50s, like rom-coms. Like I think that you're right that she's infantilized a little bit. She kind of turns to mush around him sometimes. Um, but he's like so, you know, charming and ready to just like be her hero, you know? I'm thinking back to when Samantha was flirting with Big in the like earlier part of the episode and how disinterested he was in Samantha. And I don't know why, but like that stuck out to me. Like, I don't know, something about him not being into Samantha. I don't know if it's like, if I'm like taking it personally, if I'm like so offended for Samantha, I don't know what it is, but I'm not, I didn't like that. He was like, so cold. That's supposed to then like further legitimize his attraction to Carrie, right? Like, Mm -hmm. oh, Samantha can get anyone and she's so confident and she's so sexual, but he didn't go for that. He knew that he wanted Carrie, right? Or like he, he wouldn't go for just anybody. So when he goes for Carrie, it means something. And what did you think of Charlotte's date and debut in, um, in Sex in the City? I have a, like, I get the point of the story where it's like she did all the things right and she tried to play the game right and, and setting that up. I got so frustrated. I was like, I don't think any guy would actually hop back in the, ta- like, taxi with her and be like, oh, I need to get laid tonight. Like, I'm going to this club now. That, to me, was just so far over the line. Yeah, yeah. It was a little, I was a little offended for her as well. I was like, wow wow so like just hop in the cab oh where are you going i'm going downtown oh great great slide over i just i i respect you i respect what you're doing but like i really gotta get laid tonight like whoa that was just (laughs) yeah i think this series they do try and highlight like the toxic traits especially of men um i think they they definitely show imperfections within the the female characters But, yeah, sometimes with men it's, like, super obvious. (laughs) Sometimes they, like, it's almost written as, like, what they think women think men are thinking, if that Mm -hmm. makes sense, right? So it's, like, a guy wouldn't actually be, like, I need to get laid, I'm, like, getting in the cab and here's why, blah, blah, blah. But I guess it's, like, oh, but when we replay it in our head, maybe that's what we're thinking they're thinking or that's where it went wrong, right? And so they're, like playing out what's in our head does that make sense yes that makes total sense and you're probably right i i i I didn't think of it that way i was taking it for face value because i feel like you know they could have obviously shown that that was like in her mind but it does make sense that that's another way to look at it but yeah i feel like 
for the purposes of the show, I'm going to go with that's what happened. Like that guy got in the cab and was like, I respect what you're doing, but I really need to get laid tonight. So it's kind of like that leaves the question of like, so I'm assuming Charlotte was like over it and didn't want to see him again after that. Right. That was it. And he slept with Samantha at the end of it. So. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah. I know. Maybe Charlotte wouldn't have known that he slept with Samantha. But yeah, Samantha's character is really interesting to me because I think sometimes she's supposed to be a bit shocking. <laughs> and like, I think they're trying to challenge us um, as an audience. Like, hey, can women have sex like men? And I'm, I'm using quotes that like it's, yeah. And it kind of a little bit was the question that, um, that Carrie was asking in the episode two with her, um, her thing with uh, 3 p.m. sex with Kurt. You know, I think it's interesting. I don't know if they knew how Samantha's character was really going to shape up over, over time because I felt mm-hmm. like there were a couple frames and a couple looks that Samantha gave, especially when she was sleeping with him at the end, where it almost looked like she was, I don't know, sad. And I felt like in that they might have been setting up that, oh, she's so sexual, but she really wants to settle down. And over over the series of the show, I think they pushed that aside, which I think is the right choice. But it was interesting just seeing those kind of subtle looks in the first episode. That I see. I remember that scene because her face, she did look like she was kind of questioning what she was doing. And I was like, what's that about? I didn't understand it. But now that you're saying that, yeah, that makes total sense for sure. And I'm so glad they went in that direction with Samantha because I need that. Yeah, absolutely. When I was younger, I didn't like Samantha. I thought she was the bad, <laughs> the bad character or something like that. But I was way too young to be watching it in the first place. Um, Yeah, I was probably like 12-ish, maybe not even when I started watching Sex and the City and I was like staying up late at my dad's house and it was like played at maybe 9.30 p.m. or something um, on TV and yeah, secretly watch it. Did we not talk about this? I think you were like nine. I was 12 or something. Well, I I don't think I, like, I definitely didn't watch it from the start. Like, so if it was 1998, I would have been um, seven, turning seven that year. So I definitely didn't watch it then. I probably like jumped in, I think at about season four or something. And then I've seen it since, and I'm like rewatching it all right now. Okay. Yeah, yeah, no, I definitely was 12. I just did the math. I was 12. And um, I love Samantha from the start. I think I just generally I am attracted to women who are not afraid to just like, go for it and go after what they want. And I just I admire that so much. Like she's like the hero of the show for me. Yeah, I have so much more respect for her now. And I even love, um, like, as we start to see her character develop, how she's sometimes so, um, like, politically incorrect in the things that she does. But you see her, like, heart, like, the I don't know, you just, she, she's, her heart is in the right place. Um, and, um, yeah, and I, I love her. I love her, um, her power and everything, yeah. So then... Um, Carrie 
um, gets stranded. She can't get a cab and um, Mr. Big pulls up in his car and is like, hey, kid, do you want a ride? <laughs> and I can't remember what Carrie says, but I remember Big's response was, oh, I realise you haven't been in love. And then Carrie is shocked. She obviously realises maybe I haven't been in love. And then um, Carrie says, so as, as the car's about to drive off, very well timed, says, <laughs> have you ever been in love? And he says, Antonia. Absolutely. <laughs> the worst line of the entire show. It's so stupid. I have... 27 problems with it one it's so out of character big would never say that to just what a stupid word absolutely i hate that they bring it around for the end of the series spoiler alert and then four this is just my other little complaint about the thing is that like he's in the back seat they're clearly in the middle of a conversation he has not signaled to his driver that it's time to drive off and the driver just speeds away maybe they had more things to say I guess it's sort of the drama of it all. They wanted for us to just see him just absolutely. And then the car speeds off into the distance. It was just, I, I don't. Sure. I cannot suspend well, disbelief for that. Like if he was like driver or, you know, if he like gave a pet or something or if she did right side of the, there are a hundred things that we could have done to like set that moment up better. But otherwise, like if I were big, I think I would have been in the back seat like, hey, wait a minute, man, we're, we're talking. <laughs> what? I disagree completely. <laughs> um, I, I think that it sets the tone of their whole relationship and it shows like the playfulness of big. And I love that he says absolutely. You know what um, I think Big would have said? I think this is so much simpler and it would have been if he would have just gone, you bet. That, I think bet. that would have been better. You bet. I think that that is a big phrase or statement. He could have said it like, so I don't know. That would have been better than absolutely. Absolutely. No, I, mean, I like it. I'm going to add that to my vocabulary now. It should have been you bet. Do we ever discover where Big is from? Like, do we know if he's like, local bred New Yorkan that would say that? Like, where is he from? I'm sorry, if you were born in New York, it would be okay to say absolutely. <laughs> is that what you're trying I to mean, tell me? I'm assuming if you're like from Bensonhurst or, um, you know, Bushwick, maybe, no, maybe not Bushwick, but like certain areas, maybe there's like a certain vernacular, you know, forget about it. There's like a certain thing. <laughs> That oh, is that what big sounds like to you? <laughs> yeah. He sounds like if you would have just said absolutely, like still not my favorite word, but that would have just that like interjection of the fucking in the middle. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's what it is. Maybe you don't like potty. You don't like potty words, and that's cool. I swear all the time. Oh. That's in character for me. And I say stupid shit, probably not much better than absolutely. But in this instance, this is the hill that I will die on. I actually, I don't swear very often. I treat myself to swear occasionally. It's kind of like 
you know, when I'm out and drinking, I treat myself to a cigarette, <laughs> but I'm not a smoker. I'm not like a swearer in general, but I love swearing in the right context. And especially if it adds to a punchline or a joke and if it's funny. And I think absolutely is perfect. Have you ever been a swearer? Like, did this, is this a mom thing or? Yeah, no, I used to swear um, with like, like my ex-boyfriend um, a long time ago. And also, yeah, when I lived in London, I think I would swear a lot more. Yeah, but I don't know what, I just, like, but but I come from like my family on my mum's side is quite religious and so it was very, I would never swear around them and I, it's very easy to switch off. So I think I've always kept that. I can just switch it on and off. Yeah, I enjoy swear words, but it's not something I guess my family is not really into it. They try not to swear in the whole, you know, but I enjoy them. I feel like, I don't know, sometimes it's really necessary to drive a point so yeah, I don't know if I swear on this show and I think I already have, sorry, you know, to whoever, whomever's offended. Yeah, no, my disclaimer is like, I really, like, this is not from my family to listen to. I want to talk about sex. I want to say whatever I want to say. I, you know, might drop an, drop an F-bomb or God forbid a C-bomb. I used to love C-bomb. It's been a while. <laughs> Oh yeah, no, this is this is not for family. This is a MA rated podcast, 18 plus. If my family wants to listen, it's your funeral. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the fucking show. 